Please bow your heads while we pray. Lord, I thank you so much for all we have experienced today, for the the seminars, the meetings, the friends that we've met, the, the old friends that we've been reacquainted with, reconnected with, for the ministries that we've been able to get to know, for the the wonderful stories that we have heard about what you're doing for all these ministries and people in their places of business, the ways that you are working, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you so much for making it possible for each of us to be here. And tonight we ask for your spirit to be here with us, Lord, that we would each sense your presence and that all who are presenting tonight, the members in action, the interviewers would all be blessed. And thank you for the musicians, Lord. I pray for your blessing on each one of them, as I know we'll be blessed by them. Thank you, Lord, so much again. In Jesus' name, amen.
Every year, we get the opportunity to renew this relationship between ASI and Adventist Review. You know, it's hard to get as much credibility in the Seventh-day Adventist Church as it is with the Adventist Review that has existed almost longer than the Seventh-day Adventist Church has been in existence. You know, tonight I have with me Bill Knott, the editor and executive publisher of the Adventist Review. And tell me, Bill, I know what an amazing privilege it is for ASI to have the Adventist Review have a special edition come out that features ASI. I know what we get out of the publication and what we get out of the, the uh, amazing viewership that happens, but what exactly does the Adventist Review get out of it? We get to partner with one of the most dynamic organizations in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That's what we get out of it. Amen. Our opportunity each year to put this message in front of the members of ASI and all the viewers who come from around the world to see what's happening at this convention is an opportunity to spread the message of Jesus in a compelling way with a partner that's out there in the marketplace doing the work. That's the best kind of partnership for us. Amen. And isn't that why we're all here? To spread the good news of the gospel? Now, I've noticed here on the front of the Adventist Review it says, what happened to the lost? Is I can't help but notice that, that this is obviously featuring reaching those lost souls. And this particularly has a special interest to me. How many of you guys out there know someone, have a family member, anyone in your present life right now that is not walking with the Lord? Raise your hand. Almost every single one of us. So why, Bill, did you choose this topic for this special ASI edition? Well, if you look at who wrote that cover article, he's going to be speaking to you on Sabbath. Sean Boonstra and I have gotten to know each other well in the last several years. And Sean has been talking with me about this issue, and it began to be burning in my heart. What are we saying about the lost? We frequently talk about the success of our programs and the importance of our committees and the size of our ministries, but is that what heaven is talking about? In fact, Sean will be telling you on Sabbath to focus again on those that heaven is most passionate about. This whole issue is focused on re renewing our focus on the lost. In fact, there's even a piece in there called Reclaiming the Territory about some entity called Little Light Studios and a figure named Scotty. <laughs> you guys all need to read that article. Just kidding. <laughs> no, you really should. It is so important for us to reach out to those that are in our own midst that, you know, are brothers and sisters and family members. And, and I know for a fact that I'm standing here today because a friend of mine reached out to me. So definitely this has a huge impact on me. Now, tell me, Bill, there's so many religious magazines out there. There's a lot that, that focus on various different aspects. What is it about the Adventist Review that is unique or special or, or different? This magazine has always been about some very simple but very powerful ideas. The second coming of Jesus, the truth of the seventh day, his ministry in the heavenly sanctuary, those ideas have been foundational for this magazine for 163 years now. And that connection makes us unique among all religious publications because we're continuing to tell that same story, communicate that same message, and we're discovering that wherever the gospel is shared, it does have results. 
For those of you who come up and talk with us about what this magazine means in your life, it's very gratifying. But I want to see it get out to even more people, more of those who will come back into God's church because of the message of this magazine. Amen. So, Bill, what is it that you want everybody in here who has had a magazine placed on their chairs to do? Oh, of course, a, a publisher would always like it if you subscribed, but more importantly, this publisher would like you to start thinking about the people who are not walking with Jesus in your life. I'd like you to read the articles in this particular edition. The online edition is free, unlocked for the next 10 days. Go to AdventistReview.org and you can read everything in here as well and send your friends to it. Take the opportunity to pray about your commitment to those not walking with Jesus. The Spirit's going to lay on your heart a burden and a responsibility that will also be the joy of your life. Amen, amen. Bill, I look forward to all of you guys reading every article that's in here and taking this home and learning these precious truths of how we can all labor together here to win as many souls and bring them up to the kingdom of heaven as possible. Thank you. ASI, I bring you greetings from uh, your fellow members in Europe. In Europe, we have currently about 1,000 members scattered through 19 chapters and 23 countries. So we bring you these greetings from many languages and cultures. Our president, Angel Dua, couldn't be with us this year, as he has been uh, many years. So he asked me to uh, represent ASI uh, formally with you. ASI has been blessed in Europe. Thank God for that. Amen? It's very active and different from uh, some years ago. We have many activities going on, and especially we have diverse activities in different countries. Uh, we are also very glad and thankful that North America has uh, supported the GYC project in Europe. Thank you for that. Praise the Lord for this. And specifically, there are youth active. I want to share with you something that I lived last week, actually last weekend. Last weekend, I came from a visit, visiting the uh, Youth for Jesus in Portugal. Although a smaller project, we had their a team of 20 people. And one story impressed me very much that I want to share with you. A young guy that was there participating knew the, uh, the church in a very particular way. He was at a class, and at the end of the class, one of his fellow students started talking about the soon return of Jesus. But the way that he described, he told me that somehow it didn't, you know, it didn't match what he could imagine of it. So he went home, got a Bible, and started studying it himself. And he found out that Jesus will really soon return. So he started researching the Internet and started seeing some YouTube videos of Angel, uh, Alejandro Bullion. Probably you, some of you know him as an evangelist in uh, South America. He was so impressed that he sent an email to Alejandro Bullion asking him, how can I know more about the soon return of Jesus? So he put him in contact with the local church. And making the story short, 
he was baptized a year ago and was there participating in youth for Jesus. You see, so God has many ways. And this active member is now impressing others to study the Bible. In that group, 45 people were especially touched to receive Bible studies. So these 45 people from that small town are now enrolled for Bible studies. Thank God for that. We praise the Lord. Now, I also wanted to share with you and make you an appeal. Because Europe is so active that wants you to participate. And that is about the ASI 2013 convention. It's going to be held in July next year. I'm going to ask, you have an image of Portugal. That's a typical tower of the Portuguese discoverers that went through the world. And Mark Finley, Elder Mark Finley, is going to be with us. It's going to be from 3rd of July to the 6th of July, 2013, in a very special town or a city, the second largest city in, in Portugal, that has a long story, history. So if you want to see history in Europe, just go to ASI Europe 2013. It is a very special place, as you can see. It's a 19th century building of 1854, full of history. And this city, particularly, is, was founded in the third century. So you can see there's a lot of things to see. I strongly urge you to participate in ASI Europe. Why not? You have been here many times, some of you. And why not just uh, catch a plane and go to Europe and participate actively also with your fellow members from many different countries. Last uh, year, because our convention is held every two years, we had participants of 25 countries. So probably going to have a lot of Americans next year because you have a direct flight from New York to Porto, the city in Portugal where it's going to be held. So make plans. It's a good opportunity for you to know Europe and participate with your fellow members at ASI Convention 2013. Thank you very much and continue to pray for God to act in Europe. Good evening, ASI. We have one more, or one tonight, wonderful, exciting, motivating uh, testimony from GYC and how they have utilized or will utilize funds that we will provide in our offering that you will provide, and so we're really excited to have them share. So come just a little bit closer. And uh, so tell me, what is your name and what role do you serve in, in GYC? And tell us what GYC stands for. My name is Natasha Neblett. I'm the Vice President of Logistics for GYC. And GYC stands for Generation Youth Christ. It is an acronym for a generation of young people that are excited about Christ's soon return. My name is Alana Smith, and I'm uh, serving as the treasurer for GYC. My name is Joshua Neblett, and I am serving as the GYC Director of European Affairs. The Director of European Affairs? That's right. How old are you? I'm 23. Do you have a job? Um, well, that was my job for a little while. I'm also a student and, and do a couple other things as well. But That's amazing. Yeah. I like, see, I have to give him some, some credit. To, the Director for European Affairs. All right. Well, it's, it's, a, it's actually a polished... It's a very um, 
fancy term probably for Secretary of, of Europe business as well. Okay, so. all right. <laughs> well, um, Mr. Director, can you please uh, tell us a little bit about what happened for GYC Europe since you would be the expert on that? Absolutely. So probably most of you are familiar with GYC. Uh, it's a North American-based youth movement that holds an annual conference every year. And um, every year we've had a delegation, certain young people from Europe that have come over and attended our conference. Now there are young people in Europe that are passionate about the gospel, that are passionate about youth movement and wanted to see something like GYC happen in Europe. And so every year they would come to our conference here in, in um, North America and every year the leadership of GYC would meet with them. And there was always this thing, when, when can GYC come to Europe? We want GYC in Europe because though there's, there's young people that are inspired about that message, about, about youth movement in Europe, it's very difficult for many of the Europeans to get over here, of course, because plane tickets are very expensive, etc. So they really wanted GYC to come to Europe. And um, I believe it was a year and six months ago, approximately, our president, Justin McNeilis, he went to Europe and he met with uh, certain young people that were there in Europe. And kind of that's where the whole um, thing really got off the ground. And since then, uh, we've had, there's been a lot of planning that went into, into place. We actually held our GYC Europe conference uh, just a few weeks ago, July 20 through 24, and it was held in Linz, Austria. It was, it was really an inspiring event. So all of you were in Austria along with other GYC young people That's right. to help coordinate. So how do you, Alana, tell us how do you plan an event like that um, intercontinent and a whole other continent? Did you guys um, just Skype and email and you guys all planned that event there? Yes, in fact, I don't know what we would have done without digital technology for sure, but uh, it's difficult planning a conference in the United States uh, when I actually understand the language, but to do something in Europe caused a lot of challenges. But it was a huge blessing because youth from Europe teamed up with our team in the United States and we really formed one team which made this happen. And so it was a great blessing, and uh, I, of course, was helping with some logistics stuff, and that teamed up with a person who spoke German, so it worked out really good, and it was amazing to see how a team of young people from North America and Europe just literally we formed one team. It was amazing. For those who may not have been blessed to be able to attend a GYC uh, convention, Joshua, can you share a little bit about some of the features of the uh, GYC Europe convention? Yeah, absolutely. It was shaped very similarly to GYC here in North America, if any of you have attended there. Um, it started on a Friday and went through a Tuesday. Uh, GYC, it, it started actually, it's actually somewhat similarly shaped to how ASI is. We have a, you know, a plenary session in the morning and the evening, and in the afternoons we have breakout sessions or seminars where the young people were able to go um, and attend individual tracks that they, were, that they were interested in, whether it be you know, health evangelism, if they had a burden to go back to their countries and to hold health evangelism or um, you know, public speaking, whatever it may be. There was all these different tracks that the young people could go to and attend those seminars and get specific hands-on training. We had many other things, um, including one of the highlights of GYC Europe, which is always our highlight also here when we have our, our conventions in the United States, is, is evangelism. We have outreach every year. And on Sabbath afternoon, um, when we were in Linz, all of the young people went out into the streets of Linz and handed out literature, offered Bible study cards. It was really a powerful experience. That sounds incredible. Natasha, tell us some, why is it significant that young people would hold a conference of that nature uh, in Europe? Well, one of the things that makes it incredibly significant is if you look at the spiritual condition of the European continent, for one, 
uh, secularism, humanism, postmodernism are all having a heyday over there. And, and if we look around the United States and we think that you know, postmodernism and secularism and humanism are rough here, they're even more rough over there. So explain secularism. What's the big deal that it's so embedded there in Europe? Well, secularism, I think, is really born out of uh, when Europe came through the Dark Ages, the picture that they had of God that was, was shown them during the Dark Ages really turned Europe off. And so now God has been pushed back out of society. He is not loved as a general, uh, general rule. He is, he is viewed very poorly, and most people have turned away from him and decided there isn't a God at all. And so in Europe were some of the first countries that decided that atheism was their official religion. And this is the, this is the culture that we were going into. And the, the people in general are turning away from any concept of God whatsoever to what humans can do, what we can get out of this world, what advantages we have right here now, because this is all we have in their minds. And so to have this conference come in where we are excited about Bible study, where we are excited about prayer, was, was groundbreaking, and it was beautiful. Now, Joshua, you were telling me there was another reason why it was significant that this was being held in Europe, conducted by young people. Why is that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, because uh, in Europe, there's, because of the culture of Europe, it's been very difficult for um, the grassroots movement, for young people as individuals, Seventh-day Adventist young people that are interested in working for God, it's been difficult for them to, to start a youth movement like GYC here in the U.S. Like, um, you know, in, the, in North America, we have so many grassroots um, ministries. I mean, ASI has made up all of those, right, of, of laymen that are standing up. Well, in Europe, it's, it's, more, it's been difficult because of the culture for that to happen. So, GYC, it was, it was a landmark occasion in the sense that, that it was young people putting on this, this conference, and so GYC came in cooperation, you know, with, with some very talented uh, European young people as well, as Alana was referring to before. We, we came together and we held this conference and it was, it was amazing. It was wow. absolutely amazing. Sounds, now, since we've shared with you a little bit of a picture in words, let's look at a few pictures so you can see exactly what may have taken place. Okay. So what's happening here? All right. So this is a picture of the congregation. There was about, um, in this picture, there was about 1,700 people sitting there. We had... Um, actually registered about 2,300, and on, on Sabbath, we had 1,700 people come to the meetings. Let's go to the next slide. Yeah, we had actually 47 countries represented. Uh, here you see the attendees that are getting ready to go on outreach. And next, oh. Yeah, this is actually... Uh, we had a camp out. We did. <laughs> uh, some of the attendees obviously are coming from countries where it's difficult to afford even travel to get to... Uh, to Austria. So we offered accommodations, as you see, where they could um, uh, stay for much more economical prices, and many of the attendees chose to do this. Okay, and next. This was translation. With that many countries coming together, those many, I don't even know how many languages total we had represented, but we had a massive amount of translation going on. The meetings were held in English, because that is the the most common language, but uh, as you can see here, these are um, translation booths. All those young people in there, very dedicated, very talented young people that translated uh, via, they would speak into a microphone and it would be translated, translated to the earpiece of the people sitting in the congregations. Those were the major languages, mm -hmm. such as um, German, French, Spanish, etc. 
We also had a lot of smaller groups from, from countries where there was maybe only five representing that language. And for them, we did whispered translation. I love that, whispered translation. <laughs> we did whispered okay. translation where they would sit and someone who could translate would sit like amongst their group and would whisper the, the meetings. They were such, God poured out his spirit. We would pray wow. specifically for the translators because they were the ones communicating the messages. They had to translate David Ashrick, which Whoa. was a real challenge. Wow. But they did. Okay. We were so, so they, thankful. They put that one on speed dial, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, let's get into some experiences. Share with us a, a little bit, Alana, about Macedonia. Yeah, we had some attendees that were coming from some rather um, obscure parts of Europe. Macedonia was one of them. We found a young person who was able to come, and we actually achieved um, a sponsorship for him because he was unable to afford it. So a week before GYC, he decides to come. We put the funding in place. So he arrives, and... Um, on the train ride there, he managed to witness to 10 different people. And so he came all excited just after GYC and talked to me and said, you won't believe this, but I know this was a divine appointment for me to come here just because of who I met on the train. And he is going back now to Macedonia to share with all his friends and other young people um, about GYC. Well, that's exciting. And Natasha, learned, yeah. tell us about the cook in the kitchen. <laughs> the cook in the kitchen. Well, uh, besides the, the tents that we had, we did have hotels for people to stay in. And in the main host hotel, um, they would feed the attendees breakfast within the hotel, kind of what we would call a continental breakfast, but on a much larger scale. And so a lot, like hundreds of young people would be coming in here every morning for breakfast, and they were all smiling, they were happy, and so the cooks and the waiters and waitresses would be like, you know, who are you? What are you doing here? You all look so happy. You're all smiling. We got so many comments of that nature. Anyway, one of the cooks, after observing, ended up asking for Bible studies. Wow. And he is already wow. receiving Bible studies. The, the, the last morning he was, uh, one of the logistics people was telling him, we're going to have so-and-so give you Bible studies. And he's like, oh, that is wonderful. That is so wonderful. Thank you so much. And we were just so excited that this, this person who didn't even really it wasn't an Adventist, it wasn't anything. He observed us, and after watching the, the young people that were there, he actually attended some of the evening meetings, wow, wow. and then he requested Bible studies. Incredible, incredible. Now, we only have a couple minutes left, and I want to move off of Europe to find out what's happening now, um, and what's the, what are the plans for GYC in the future? Okay, well, of course, we have our annual conference. So we're having our conference in Seattle this year, Seattle, Washington, December 8th through January 1, 2013. This year it's a little bit different. Normally we run our conferences Wednesday through Sunday, but because of this year and where Christmas falls, we moved our conference to Friday through Tuesday. So it starts Friday night, then it moves on to, uh, ends Tuesday morning. Well, I'm, I'm sure that some might here might even <laughs> want to go to GYC. We would um, love tell to us, have them. There's something else that GYC is doing. It's not just holding conferences, but you have some um, mission work and uh, outreach that's happening. Um, Alana, tell us about what's happening here in the United States. Yeah, here in the United States, exciting things are happening as well. Uh, Charleston, West Virginia, we were invited to come there and hold a brief training uh, to help mobilize the young people there. Uh, make long story short, now they are knocking on every door in Charleston, West Virginia. And there's a mission in Tanzania. Even as we speak, we had, we had two mission trips to Tanzania this year that GYC organized. One happened in June and one is happening as we speak here. They are in a very, very difficult to reach portion of Tanzania where there's a lot of resistance. Keep them in your prayers. They are there right now holding evangelistic series and the Lord is blessing. Wonderful. We're so excited. Wonderful. And the last word for the director. 
uh, of European Affairs. If people want more information and hear more of these stories, is, is there a booth um, in the exhibit hall? Yeah, absolutely. There's a booth, and unfortunately, I don't know the number. <laughs> But you can go to, uh, you can go into there and, and see if you can find the GYC booth. <laughs> and if you can't do that, then you can visit us online at gycweb.org or gyceurope.org. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much, young people. ASI is truly an international organization, God using people all over the world to accomplish his mission for those who are willing to follow. And our next uh, interview is an example of that, Sandra Silva, who, um, well, where are you from? I'm actually from Canada. Right now. Right and, now. And uh, your parents are the ones who are, are spearheading this uh, mission project. Where are they from? My parents are actually from Portugal. Okay. Yes. And where is the project? <laughs> the project is actually in Costa Rica. Okay. So... It truly is an international type project. Maybe you can tell us the name since I will sure, I'm sure that I will stumble over it. Well, the name is Vista Los Sueños, Lifestyle Solutions and Spa. Okay, and, and it is a ministry that is largely overlooked. What is the ministry and what is it? Just tell us just a little bit about what you're planning to do. Okay, well, the ministry is basically... Uh, looking to reach out to the very wealthy. We will be doing uh, a lifestyle spa and solutions. Uh, we will teach lifestyle education, teach people how to have improved health, but most of all, how to know Jesus, the great physician. Tell us just a little bit about how you started with, with this idea. How did you get where you're at, and, um, and how far along are you? Okay. Well, you can see on the website, for example, Los Sueños. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful resort, a five-star resort, and it's a place where my parents had a condo. And we, I just We have some pictures, in fact, of, yes, of where it's at, so yes. perhaps we could show some of those, too. Yes. Uh, it's basically located, you'll see there, um, just near Hako Beach, about an hour and a half from San Jose, uh, there in the Pacific Ocean. It's a beautiful resort, uh, has the only international marina in, in Costa Rica. And basically, it's, it's really to reach out to the wealthy. And one day, I just woke up from a dream. And the dream was that my dad was building two houses on this piece of land going up this hill and mountain. And it was on the left-hand side. And I remember calling my parents that morning and saying, Mom, Dad, I had this dream that you're building two houses on this piece of land. And I described, described it. My dad said, Sandra, how do you know that today I'm to sign papers to buy exactly what you described? And my dad wasn't a, uh, a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church at the time, but praise God, he is now. Amen. And, um, he's, and I just said, Daddy, God must be in it. Amen. Mm -hmm. And sure enough... Um, God then led us to build there right after. Three years later, got another dream saying, build on the mountain, Sandra. It's time to reach out to those people. Amen. So uh, let's back up just a little bit. You said your, your dad wasn't an Adventist then. What was he? 
what denomination? He, he was, was Catholic. It? Okay, Catholic, and being and Portuguese. So, <laughs> and so, how long? So the, we're not talking about Adventists uh, for a long period of time. How mm -hmm. long has he been an Adventist? He's been an Adventist for just over four years. Okay, yes. and so this is a lifestyle center that is designed to appeal to those who are wealthy. Yes. Tell us some stories. Well, exciting. Um, there's a gentleman on top of the mountain there said to my mom and dad, Mr. Silva, we want to take you to our beach house in, in another part of Costa Rica, and I'm bringing my chef, and he's going to do a vegan meal for you, and I'm bringing my wife, and come along. And my parents had that opportunity while they're there. My mom began to share about my life and my walk with God and how God answers prayer. And the lady said, you know, I don't know God, but can you pray for my children? And, you know, it just began relationship building. You know, building relationships that these individuals might know Jesus. And we've started Bible studies there, and we do hope to plant a church there as well. Amen. Sandra, your parents are, uh, this is kind of a, a new thing, mm -hmm. and so you don't have a website yet, and you don't have um, a booth here, but they are um, heading toward membership as ASI members. How can we contact you if we want to um, get more information? Yes. Well, they heard about the story very recently, and so we didn't have all the information to give, but I will give you my, my email, which is ssilva at albertasda.org. Okay. That's ssilva at albertasda.org. And then we hope to have a website out soon with, the Lowe's, with um, Vista Los Sueños, uh, the Lifestyle Solutions and Spa. Okay. We actually have a, a, a one more minute, a little bit over a minute, if you have another story. Do you have a quick story for us? Well, I'll just share how God can use anyone to give Bible studies. Good. I remember my mom saying, Sandra, come prepared. We have so many Bible studies. I go walking and I meet all these people. And so we started to study the Bible with a lady who was um, from even Brazil. And then she went off and the maid came to see us. She said, will you teach me as well? You know, I've been listening. And so we continued in Bible studies and I had to leave because I could only be there for a month. And I was praying, Lord, what do I do? And God said, Sandra, give them over to your mom. Let her give the Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And so I ran through my mom. I said, Mom, see, it's easy. You can do this, you know. And most importantly, God is with you. And my mom said, but Sandra, I don't speak Spanish. I speak Portuguese. I said, Mom, it's so close. I know the Holy Spirit will help you. Yes. And indeed, God is able to. My mom had never given Bible studies before, but she was able to give Bible studies and continue to correspond with these individuals. Praise God. Amen. Praise so God. once again, give us the email address. Again, the email is ssilva at albertasda.org. Sandra, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And we wish you God's blessing, and we'll keep you in our prayers, too. Thank, thank you. Thank you. God, God is able to use people no matter what position they may hold. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be uh, someone who has been trained necessarily in evangelism. All you have to be is willing. And that kind of leads us to our next Members in Action segment, and that's about a church plant. I have here with me uh, this evening Stephen Grabner and Jay Anders. Maybe you could tell us real quickly, and I know some of you know uh, are known here, but just quickly tell us uh, what you do, and then we'll go from there. I work with Outpost Centers International, a and mission organization. Good. And Jay? 
I'm an electrical engineer, and I work for Mesa Associates in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay. Now, um, you, this is an exciting story. You have just begun, or it's been, been now very shortly, a church plant. Where did you go to church before? Well, we used to attend a church in Collegedale, Tennessee, called McDonald Road. Okay. And if anyone knows Collegedale, Southern Adventist University is there. There's lots of churches. That's right. So it was pretty easy to go to church and just fade into the furniture. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then, Jay, tell us, how did you kind of get the idea that you wanted to, you were thinking maybe we could start a church? I guess a lot of us had uh, talked about it. Several of us had gone to Sabbath school together, and uh, one spring, I guess, after camp meeting, we were all just sitting around and kind of got the idea, Let, let's do this, let's start a church plant. So from there, we just started looking at some possibilities. You know, we're in the area, and we looked at, like Stephen has alluded to, in the Chattanooga, Collegedale area, there's a lot of churches. Mm-hmm. But as we start putting punch pins on a map, we noticed that in Eastridge, uh, there was nothing. So from there, we thought, well, let's, let's look and explore the idea of doing a church plant in Eastridge, Tennessee. Okay, so you went to Eastridge, and you began, your, your little uh, group began where? Uh, what, what facility were you using to start with? Well, we began looking for locations. We considered um, a spot on the main drag, which was really small, but fortunately, um, Church of God, wasn't it? They opened their doors to us. That was the first church we rented. Um, then we outgrew that, and then the Methodist Church opened up their doors to us, and we rented that for a while. Okay, so we uh, brought the Seventh-day Adventist Church into those other churches as well. Um, now, tell us some stories. You, you have some amazing stories of things that have happened uh, fairly recently with this church plant. Yeah, well, before we do that, maybe we could just share a little bit about our transition from yeah. our Methodist Church to where we are now. Sure. Do you want to share? In fact, I was going to ask about the building, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah, um, like Stephen said, we'd start off when we were in our, our second facility, uh, meeting there and slowly outgrowing it. And a friend of mine who was a realtor, she had never sold a church before and uh, never sold a home in Eastridge, Tennessee, actually. She worked up another part of town. She called me up and said, Jay, God has given me your church to sell. Because mm-hmm. um, her husband worked for me. And I was like, what? Well, it's a, it's a long series of events, but uh, through God's providence and the dedication of our members, we were actually able to, we, had, so we set some goals. We had to raise 50% of the money. We were able to do that. Um, things fell in place, and over about a three-month interval, finally we ended up buying to, to purchase a, a church that was in foreclosure in Eastridge. And I would say that right now, again, go to God's providence, the, the dedication of the members, that church is now paid off, and we're in the middle of a, a renovation program. That's, again, being totally uh, done by capital, which was raised, and no debt incurred. Amen. So that's kind of an unusual thing, isn't it? Uh, 100% pledges and 100% paid yeah. off. And, well, that's an amazing. Uh, really I think unusual. what's sort of really amazing no about it is it's total lay-led church. We have no pastor assigned to the church from the conference. Everyone there has a paid position, a paid job that they go and do. But then all of our, everything at the church is all, all done by lay members. Right so, now we have... About 170 members attending to church. Okay, let me get this straight. Uh, you're not a pastor. No. Uh, but, but you're, uh, what do they call it now? The missional pastor. In Georgia pastor. Cumberland Conference, they call it a uh, missional pastor. Okay. And you've ne- you haven't had formal training in that, though? No. Uh, Bible worker training? Um, Engineering and business training. Okay, so what you are is willing to follow wherever yeah, God is. Yeah, amen. God and that's, that's everybody in the church. Yeah. 
everybody there. We, we all have skills. We bring it. And, you know, it's interesting that this past week I, I was up here and we needed some work to get done. I just sent an email out, and I did have to send a second email out and say we need some help with this painting at the church. Over 20-some people showed up to help with the painting. Mm. Uh, last week we had some, um, we went door-to-door, and we had like 103 folks that went out door-to-door in Eastridge knocking on doors, generating Bible studies. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have over four, no, over 30 Bible studies actively engaged, all being done by the members of the church. So it's just people giving time. People made themselves available, and, and God's just blessing greatly there in Eastridge. Maybe we'll talk about the Curtin family. Yeah. And some uh, but just, it, it's part of the DNA if somebody wants to join the church. Yeah, the, yeah. Amen. The bar for church membership, in addition to believing what Seventh-day Adventists believe, is that you have to be involved in the congregation. Um, and we're very upfront with that. You want to come be part of this church? Expect to be involved. Right. And it's really exciting, as Jay said, to see everybody with full-time jobs carrying the responsibilities so, of the church. So you're not looking for people who just want to occupy the same 18 inches of lumber every week. You're interested in That's people right. being involved in it. Okay, right. tell us some stories. So the third Sabbath that we were in the church that we were first renting, uh, we, after church, we walked down, people were talking, and this woman walked up, her name was Laura, she had a couple of kids with her, and she said, what's going on here? Is there a wedding, or is this church? And we said, no, actually, this is a church, and she would take her children to the school right next door for just to play on the playground on Sabbath, Saturday mornings, and she said, when I was a teenager, I heard about the Sabbath, and ever since that time, I've been looking for a, a, a Sabbath-keeping church to go to. Third week we were there. Someone from the community just works up, walks up next Sabbath. She was there with her three children. Uh, then her husband started coming. And at this point, she's been baptized. Her husband and the two older children have been baptized and are active members in the church. Amen. Yeah, we have a, another uh, individual. And again, there's just so many people from Eastridge that are joining the church and members of the church. Another individual, um, Matt, he started attending with us. And... Um, did profession of faith, joined the church, has been uh, there recently attending, and he called me earlier this week and said he wanted to, uh, he's going to enroll in the SALT program at Southern Adventist University and wants to become active as a Bible worker. This guy was in the Methodist church, but now has joined the Adventist church, lives in Eastridge, spent his mom and dad have been there, living there for over 30 years. So again, we're just really growing there in Eastridge with these folks that want to be involved. Last word is anybody can really do this. You don't have to be the pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist. You can do this. Is that, is that the last one? And it's really a matter of priorities. Yes. As Jay and I were talking, everybody in our group is busy, mm-hmm. but you do what you really think is most important. That's right. And so, yes, yeah. people can be involved. Gentlemen, thank you for sharing with us this thank evening. Thank you for letting us share. God's blessing on you, too. Thanks. Lots of exciting members and action stories tonight, aren't there? It's so good to be at ASI where we can talk about what we're doing to share Christ in the marketplace. This evening I have with me Chuck Hagley, who is from Project Patch. Now, Chuck, how long have you been involved in the ministry at Project Patch? I've been working full-time at Project Patch since 19, excuse me, 1994 is when I married Tom Sanford's daughter, but 2005 is when finally God dragged me in and I started working there full-time. So you married into the family, and then God kind of sucked you into the ministry a little bit at a time. Exactly. Okay. Tell us, what is, the, what is the mission of Project Patch? The mission, I'd like to think the mission of God that he's given to Project Patch is to restore troubled teens, 
those teens that are falling through the cracks, and also to build stronger families, to really be that protection for their teen. Now, we've heard about Project Patch through, through the years, and uh, tell us about the work that you're doing with the youth. It's on your Idaho campus, right? Correct. Since 1993, we've had this beautiful campus in Idaho, right on the Payette River, just an amazing place where kids ages 12 through 18 come and spend a year with us, learn better ways to manage their life through group counseling, individual counseling, they attend an accredited high school, they do outdoor therapy, indoor therapy, they learn responsibility, they learn respect, and over all that, they learn that God's got a plan for their lives. And so our chaplain and staff work with them closely to help them discover that God loves them deeply and that they can trust him fully with their lives. Wow, and so how many young people are you helping at a time there at Project Patch? We help 36 kids, 18 boys, 18 girls, kept separately. Uh-huh. So you keep them, uh, keep them separated there for a little bit, and, uh, but you help them to mature in that process. Now, I know that uh, Project Patch has kind of launched on another track here with the second part of your mission statement, and that is not only to help the troubled youth, but to help the whole family. Tell us how God has led in that way. It's been frustrating for years to see a child come into our program and to recognize if we could have moved back in their lives a couple of years, if we could have equipped the family with some basic skills, if we could have given them some encouragement to keep moving forward, that there would have been a good chance that they wouldn't have had to go through this self-destroying relationship, destroying behavior that took them to our youth ranch. And so we longed for a way to get into their lives earlier, and God's given us a chance to do that through our family center. Now, you say family center. Tell me a little bit about this family center. 500 acres, about two hours well, I think East we have some pictures, of Portland. Right? Yeah, we've got some pictures we'll show in the background. An amazing place that just, as you drive onto our campus, it takes your breath away. That's a view of Mount Adams, um, just a priceless view. We tell people if this was in other parts of the country, it would be a national park. We have a 70-foot waterfall on our property. We've got canyon views. Wow. We've got a ropes course, a 10,000-square-foot lodge with meeting rooms, private motel, hotel-type rooms for the families. We have four cabins, we have RV sites, we have trails, and most of all, we've got a place that God has given us to serve families that's safe, that's beautiful, and that they can feel like they can be themselves and grow. So actually, you bring these families into this relaxed, kind of a resort setting. And tell us about what happens when you bring a family in there, and how long are the sessions, and how do you do that? Families are busy. And so we have about four days with each family to really give them as much encouragement as we can. So we don't spend that time with them blaming each other. We don't spend that time with them looking back and pointing at each other. What we do is we equip them with skills. First of all, what are the personalities in our family? How are we the same? How are we different? Mm -hmm. Given that information, how can we communicate better? How can we communicate in ways that really helps to get understanding? Once we learn how to communicate, how can we solve some of our conflict? And then most of all, one of the most important things, families, what do we value? What are our shared family values? How do we protect these things? And then what sort of things can we encourage the family to grow in? And it's not a bunch of sitting around. Who wants to sit around on their vacation? <laughs> it's ropes courses, it's activities, it's playing. And families really enjoy that process of learning. So as you're bringing the families into this setting and they're spending these four days with you, how, about how many families have you helped uh, in this kind of setting? 
We just opened the facility last summer, which is one of those things that we say, please, God, don't make us do this during a recession. <laughs> and so it's been a scary time to do it. But God's led families into us. We've been able to, with a limited budget for mm -hmm. advertising, we've been able to help about 20 families now. And, and how many come at a time? We can house, we've got eight motel rooms, we've got another four cabins, and most sessions are about four to seven families, depending on the size of the family. And not only are their family interacting with each other, but they're interacting between families as well. You know, one of the things that Satan does is he isolates families. He makes them feel like they're the only family that doesn't quite feel close. They go to church and they look around and all the other mm -hmm. families have it together, but their family yeah. tends to argue and fight. Their family can't even figure out where to go to eat without having this trauma. Hmm. And so having families together that share that experience, know that they can struggle with some of the same things, is just an amazing gift to them. And so we have the parents together part of the time, we have the kids together part of the time, and they discover that they're not alone, and most of all, they know that God isn't embarrassed about them. He's willing to get into their lives and to help them. Hmm. Now, I, I know that in the process of helping these families, you probably have a few stories to share. Share with us a story about a, a family that has come and somehow their life has been really impacted by being there. Yeah, we had a family that just didn't quite feel close. They were going through a transition of kids getting older and they knew that they were having a few more fights than they wanted, that they were struggling finding unity. Mm -hmm. And so they, they came to our site and over those four days that they had with us, um, what their daughter, who's, who's a teenager, felt safer and safer and safer and finally revealed that she had been actively planning her suicide. Oh, wow. On the outside, she was smiles and calmness, uh -huh. but on the inside, there was incredible pain. And the neat thing about it was it was with our therapists that are on staff and with the other caring adults there, they're able to get her the help that she needs, and she's doing great with her family now. I imagine that family is very grateful for the services that you offer there at Project Patch and, and working with families. Exactly. And for us, we believe wholeheartedly in John 10.10, 10, that there's a thief out there to steal the lives of young people, to destroy families. And for us, the privilege of seeing abundant life where there was before only loss is, is an amazing, amazing gift for us. Maybe there's a family here tonight that needs to contact you for services or knows a family. What booth, what's your booth number? Yeah, our booth number is 549, or you can find us on our website, which is www.projectpatch.org. I want you to be convinced tonight that God cares deeply for you and your families and your kids. He's chasing with a relentless heart to bring healing, and that as Patch, we'll do what we can to serve, and it's our privilege um, to do that. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. Our next interview this evening for Members in Action is the um, Rogers family, Carrie and Eileen Rogers, coming to us from North Carolina. Now, Carrie and Eileen have a ministry that is called Pathway to Peace. Now, Pathway to Peace has been in existence for a few years. Carrie, how long have you been in ministry? Uh, we've been in ministry for 10 years now, full-time and loving it. Praise the Lord. How did God get you uh, into ministry anyway? I mean, it's a long story, but it was out of tragedy. We lost a, a, a loved one of ours. Actually, we had a stillbirth, and the Lord actually got us into radio because we, we wanted to give back to the Lord. So we said, Lord, we're going to do 10 programs for you, and it actually led from 10 programs to actually going on to 30 radio stations. Mm. So God used your personal tragedy right. to help heal other people right. and in the process brought you some healing right. as we well. We did Bible studies, took testimonies and things like that. That's amazing what God, how God works, isn't it? Amen. That's it's what very, Isaiah 58 says. 
as we help others, God uses that to help us. Amen, amen. Well, we can testify to that, can't we? So you've been involved in ministry for about 10 years, but God didn't leave you just with dabbling in radio a little bit. Tell us how, what happened. It's amazing because God expanded the vision. We did radio for a while, and then the Lord made it very clear to me. I said, one day I was out walking. I said, Lord, I want to be part of the 144,000. I want to see you when you come. Amen. And he said something that surprised me. He said, Carrie, you need to get your health right. I said, what? I said, Lord, I'm a vegetarian. But then I admitted I ate, chick, I ate chips and junk food and things like that. And I literally fell on my knees and said, Lord, I don't know how to do it. Teach me. And two days later, the Lord got me into a program at the church. I didn't know it was, existed, mm. but at the church, the pastors talked about health and how we need to get healthy and things like that and taught us about the plant-based diet. And I lost a lot of weight, and the Lord did some amazing things with that. So God is leading you now. Mm -hmm. He takes you through this radio and tuning up your health. And, right. And step, the next step. The next step, after we expanded the radio, the Lord said, now I want you to do add the health ministry to your ministry, mm. the Bible and health, that's effective ministry. So God gets you healthy, and then he said, now I want you to minister to us. Exactly. Amen. But the amazing thing is he said, I want you to start a lifestyle health retreat, and I want you to also start a college of Bible and health evangelism. And I said, wow, this is a big plan. And at that time, we didn't have much resources at all. We we're staying in a one-bedroom, one-bedroom, we we're staying in one-bedroom, actually, <laughs> my whole family at the time, because most of the money went to the radio stations. And uh, God gave us the vision to do this. And I said, okay, Lord, let's just do it. I just learned to say yes. And so, Lord did So it. God took uh, your humbleness and said, we're going to do something. That's right. So what has he done with that? Well, he actually did it. I mean, we actually went from Michigan. We were in Michigan at the time and actually sent us all the way down to North Carolina and to just land there. He said, I, I, I just want you to send you to this place. We landed not knowing. He said, I want you to get a lifestyle center. That takes property. It takes land. But he said, I want you to get started. So we just packed our car, drove down there. He opened up a place for an apartment. And as soon as we got there, about a few weeks later, the Lord opened up doors. We can actually minister to children with Bible and health. And then we were able to minister to various churches in there with Bible and health. And I didn't know a whole lot, but I just knew a little bit what I've learned in the past about the New Start program. And I implemented that New Start program and people were, it was changing lives. It was changing my life. And so then, then God gave you some property to go with that? It wasn't that, <laughs> the story's a long story, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the Lord did it. As a matter of fact, we got there about two years later, he opened up the way for 40 acres of property with two houses and a, and a cabin on it with a beautiful lake pond there. And, and that's an amazing story in and of itself. I don't have time to go through it. And you can come to our booth if you want to come and listen about that story. But it's, it's amazing because I can tell you God is real in these last days, no doubt about it. And I'm nobody special at all. I'm just a regular, plain old lay person. But you're, you're willing to step out in faith. If God say do it, we got to do it. So you have this lifestyle center now and this property that God has supplied and you're ministering there. And I know that during this process, lives are being changed. Amen. We have a few stories tonight, uh, just a little testimony about how lives are being changed. And we're going to play that now and uh, just watch and see the testimonies of lives that are being affected. Amen. I got to learn uh, how to cook God's way uh, using... Uh, seeds, nuts, berries, uh, fresh vegetables and fruits, uh, healthy eating, and I just loved it. Got to learn some new uh, recipes, so I'm excited to take some of those home. How do you feel 
I feel great. You, I feel like I'm on the way to return. I've lost 45 pounds. We've really thoroughly enjoyed it. And if you can come, tell somebody else and tell them to come because it's a life-changing experience. I never realized that the things that I was eating is the thing that, that's, that was killing me and making me sick. And this experience this week, uh, I guess we could call it a retreat, has changed our lives forever. New start, new beginning. And this was a new beginning for us. Why so good? Well, it's just got healthy food and we learn about Jesus. Oh man, he said it right. Healthy food and learn about Jesus. And the summer camp has been about the Ten Commandments. Have you learned anything? Yes, I have. What are some of the things that you've learned? I learned about how you should control your anger and worship God. Why do you like your Bible class so much? Why do you like it so much? I to teach you about Jesus and what uh, for sin. Alright, so what is sin? Sin is God, um, the um, flesh breaking God's law. There you go. See, they learning something. He's learning. You're going to come out a all-around minister. You're going to know how to develop industry. You're going to learn how to work in the industry. You're going to learn how to set up churches. You're going to learn how to do evangelistic meetings and to do Bible work. You'll learn a whole lot of things. What I'm going to do with the things I've learned here at Pathway to Peace is take it to uh, the community, take it to the dark counties, preach, teach, and heal, effectively the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, exciting things are happening there. Lives are being changed. I know ministry doesn't happen in a vacuum, though, and that the ministry still has projects and things going on and needs. Eileen, tell us about what's happening right now. Uh, our greatest need right now is more of the Holy Spirit's power to do Amen. His work because it's for His glory and He does do it. We just completed a preliminary copy of uh, the Ten Commandments and a scripture, children's scripture songs. We were looking for uh, children's scripture songs for our own kids, something that was the King James Version directly verbatim from the Bible, and we couldn't find something that we really liked. But the Lord uh, said, well, you do it. And the Holy Spirit worked, uh, worked through us to, uh, to do this project. You have a booth here at ASI? Yes. What's your number? 1026. Come see these folks at booth 1026 and Amen. enjoy some more of that story. Thank you tonight. Thank you. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood died he for me his pain for me who scorned his perfect love amazing love how can it be that you my God would die for me amazing love how can it be that you, my God, would die for me. You left your Father's throne above, so free and infinite your grace, emptied yourself of all but love, and bled for us. Race. 
Amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? Amazing love, how can it be? Amazing love, how can it be? Boldly I come before your throne to claim your mercy. Good evening, ASI. Have you had a good time so far? I don't know if you really have or not. All right. I have with me Dan Watley. Dan, where are you from? I'm from uh, Palmer, Alaska. All right. So how long have you lived in Palmer, Alaska? Born and raised there. Wow. Lived my whole life in Alaska. Native Alaskan. I guess so. All right. So tell me a little bit about what you do in Alaska. Well, that would be a long story, but the short version is I've uh, been a bush pilot, guide, lodge owner, contractor, uh, literature evangelist, publishing director, mission pilot, and now I'm working, uh, I've got, I retired, I sold my business, I, I don't like to use the word retired, I sold my business. This guy's no not longer retired. <laughs> under the tyranny of the urgent, that means that's a different thing. And so, but I can't sit around, so I got involved in another company right away, a startup company called IntelliPaper. And so I'm here, our booth is at uh, number 744, and I just brought out a sample of what we're doing, one of the th things we're doing. Uh, IntelliPaper is about making paper intelligent, and this is a uh, Bible course enrollment card from Voice of Prophecy. And on the bottom of this card is a little tear-off strip, and that tear-off strip has a paper or printed on thumb drive. So on that thumb drive you can, uh, you can stick it in your USB port and it will give you lesson number one. You fill that out and it will connect you directly to Voice of Prophecy and you can take the course online. 
So that's, the, that's one of the samples of the things we're doing. And folks, this is a piece of paper. That's amazing technology that has been developed right here from a Seventh-day Adventist group. Yes. So beyond the paper, you saw a special need in your area. Yes. And tell me a little bit about that, how you, and especially for men. Okay. Well, we were, uh, you know, we always have the annual men's retreat. We've been doing that for years in Alaska. But, you know, we live in the most beautiful state in the Union, my opinion. Sorry. <laughs> it is beautiful, right. you know. You'll be coming <laughs> soon, so we'll win you over, I'll too. But we, we, one of the men's retreats, I think around 2004, we, we, we got to talking. A few of us started talking and said, why are we doing this in a building on the road system, in a hotel or a church camp somewhere on the road system? Why don't we get back out into the wilderness? And so the next year, we started doing a men's retreat in the wilderness of Alaska, not a, a, the easiest place to get to, but that's part of the uh, attraction. Right. It's not only an event, it's a destination. Because you can either fly to it and land on a short airstrip with bad approaches on each end. That appeals to bush pilots. Or you can take your four-wheeler and four-wheel in. Or you can mountain bike in or hike in. And uh, if you go to booth 222, the Alaska conference booth, you'll see a friend of mine there, Ryan Wooler, and he can tell you about hiking in this year. So it's doable for many different, you know, modes of transportation. But that's part of the excitement, and that's what guys really get into, is getting out in the wilderness and, you know, being challenged with something. Now, in, in the photos that you had there on the screen, we saw some familiar faces. So this is not only a ministry for your local people, but no. some of the more well-known Adventist speakers as a retreat for them to get away from stress and... and right. uh, get out in nature. Right. Talk a little bit about that. Well, there's no cell phone coverage out there, so we can throw those things away. Amen? What a treat. So no I, cell phones. So I can't check my email no. and all that stuff? No, and I'm not going to loan wow. you my sat phone to do that. You know, that's for emergencies only. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it appeals to just about everybody to disconnect from their electronics, get out there, get away from all that, start fellowshipping with each other, and just leave all that behind. And so we started, I started coming to ASI in 2005 when we started the retreat and started recruiting here at ASI. This is a great place to do it. And so we've had uh, Doug Batzer come, Jeff Rich, he'll be interviewing in a little while. He's been there. Uh, David Gates, uh, Herb Larson, uh, let's see who, I, oh, Sean Boonster, of course. He's been there. He was there in 2009, and he's coming back next year. In fact, he's going to be at my house in two weeks. He can't get enough of Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I don't want to tell you this, you know, that you know, we're a bunch of macho guys up there. Because in the 1980s, Alaska was known as the place where men were men, but women won the Iditarod. You know, and finally men started winning again, but, you know, there was, there's some tough competition out there. In fact, there's a lot of women that would love to come to our retreat. Sorry, we need to do a separate retreat for you. But. You know, my wife's not happy about that. She's, she's into the outdoors, and she says, no, you can't go up there. If, if you're going, I'm going. So we've got to work on that. Um, now, you have another ministry in your community. There's a lot of commercial yeah. pilots in Alaska. I think everybody in Alaska is pretty much a pilot, right? Well, so, that's true. Yeah. So tell me about what you're doing as, a, as an outreach to okay. your pilot friends. Well, you know, I, I was thinking last year when I came to ASI, I really need to do something with all these guys I know that are pilots. They're not, attend, they're not Adventists yet. Uh, Dwight Nelson told me, don't call them non-Adventists. Call them pre-Adventists because he was here last year. In fact, if you want to watch some, some sermons about Alaska, 
uh, in the retreat, go to, go to uh, Life Lessons from Alaska on pmchurch.tv. He has a couple sermons there. But anyway, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're talking about your outreach for the men. Oh, yeah, the, the outreach for the men. Um, we, uh, we st- I, I came here and I, I, I met up with Tony Moore and I said, you know, that, that new series he has, uh, Tracing the Footsteps of Jesus, would be an excellent uh, uh, little series to do a, uh, a small group with. So I started contacting all of my pilot friends, or some of them, and we started a small group using his uh, Tracing the Footsteps of Jesus, which is an excellent series, by the way. I highly recommend it. And it's been very well received by both the Adventists that are coming and the non-Adventists. We have bush pilots, some airline pilots, air taxi operators, all, all kinds of flavor of pilots coming to this, retreat, or this uh, Bible study. And it's really great. We're having a great time. Now, this is what ASI is all about, sharing Christ in your marketplace. And that's, that's what Dan is, is doing in Alaska, and, and it hasn't been without fruit. He's actually had people, in the, like in the men's retreat, that have come back to the Seventh-day Adventist Church are, are actively studying to be, to be members. And if you want to talk to, uh, to Dan, he's, if you're here at the convention, you can find him at booth 744. And also they have a website um, if, if you can get online, it's intellipaper.info. Dan, yeah. thank you very much. Thank you. Now, we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to go south to New York. Okay, that's north to most of us. And I have the Rosenberger family with me. So why don't you tell, tell me your names? and kind of what you do. I'm Jolene. Um, And I'm John Rosenberg. And this is my daughter Jocelyn, my son John, my other son Awen, and my youngest daughter Joelle. And you're from Albany, New York. And you found a very special need in your community for a refugee group. And uh, how many of you have actually ever heard of Eric B. Hare. Does that name ring a bell? I think every hand in the house just went up. You remember those stories? We all grew up on those stories, right? And if you haven't read them, you need to go find them. They're amazing stories. Well, the people group that you work with are from Burma, right? Correct. So how are they coming here? Tell me a little bit about what's going on in Albany. It was about uh, five or six years ago, and um, we realized, uh, learned that Refugees are brought by the government to the United States and are resettled in cities throughout America, in the inner cities. And um, our kids were in school, and our youngest was still, Joel was about two years old then. And I prayed to God, I said, True, I, I was a stay-at-home mom, and a stay-at-home mom, and I said, they must have something more for me to do volunteer work other than make brownies and volunteer at the school. Not, I mean, that's very important, but I was looking for something more. And we had always attended ASI and been very inspired by the mission. And um, when I learned that refugees are in Albany, um, it was very exciting, and we contacted them, and we realized, we learned that um, the cities throughout America are desperate for volunteers. And so we signed up as a volunteer and we met our first family and um, we were excited that the kids could be exposed to somebody from another culture. And um, 
Little did we know that God had opened the floodgates and from there we just, um, our lives changed dramatically because we became uh, very, very involved in that. And the mission of reaching out to immigrants and refugees um, in our inner cities. And in Albany, it is the Karen. Um, this is uh, from Burma. They're the largest group that's being resettled right now. And uh, it's been just a wonderful joy to us. And as they, as they settle in America, what kind of things are, are you doing with and for them uh, to, to make their experience better here in the United States? Well, that's the beauty of volunteering. You can be as involved or uninvolved as you want because you're a volunteer. No one can fire you. And so we, um, it was everything from opening their mail and helping them figure out because when they arrive, well, we quickly realized they are the poorest of the poor. You can't get poorer than them. They show up at the airport with nothing more than a bag and uh, with a whole family with just a little bag. And, um, and then our government supports, uh, will help them find an apartment mm -hmm. and gives them about three months of rent and immediately they're given a work authorization permit. Um, after that, it's sink or swim. And so they are in desperate need of help. And so it's everything from helping the kids get enrolled in school to helping them with doctor's appointments to helping them with their mail to um, helping them. And in the course of all that, you just become friends. And you really right. develop a connection with them. And the kids developed friendships with the uh, refugee children. And um, they became my close friends. And these women, I mean, we've we laugh together, we cry together, and um, they've come over to our home, and we go to their home. And what's been so rewarding is that we've um, watched them. A lot of the little kids, you know, like five years ago, now they're 10 years old, and they've grown up. And so we go to um, their functions, um, birthdays, and um, um, it's, it's like our family has extended, and we have a big extended family now, and so we just praise God that we've been given this privilege. On top of, of helping them with the day-to-day -day needs, you're also, there's a spiritual element, element to what you're doing, and there's a, a, a ministry here at ASI that we've probably all heard of. What is that, and, and yeah. how is that going with the spiritual side of things? As we got more involved, I quickly realized that there's a, a piece of this that's way over our heads. And we're not pastors, so my husband's a PhD chemist, and, and I'm a mom, and um, I have a psych background. But while we can do the mail, and we can help them find the local Asian grocery store, and we can be friends, we can't pray with them in their own language. And we saw that that's like the most important thing that you can do. And so we reached out to Adventist Southeast Asia Projects, and we knew that um, ASI has a slew of ministries, and um, Adventist Southeast Asia Projects supports Asians and refugees, and these are refugees from Burma. So we said, please, please help us find an ethnic pastor that can um, help us and can reach out to um, these people. So it took a little while, but they did respond. Finally, and about two years ago, um, they provided a small stipend for a Karen um, pastor um, to come and um, help uh, reach these people. And he settled in our area, and it was just such a blessing. I mean, to this day, we praise God for Pastor Saw too. That's his name. And um, his family who helped. 
And he immediately began a church. And what's the beauty, because of thank you to Eric B. Hare, so many of the Karen are Christians. And wow. so he started um, a service in his home on Sabbaths. And we had been attending a very comfortable church. And we just decided about two years ago or, or a year and a half ago that, you know what, we'll just decide, we'll just make this our own mission trip. For a year, we'll stop attending our church and we'll go to this home church. And so every Sabbath, we wear Karen clothing like this and we go sit on the floor and we worship together. And even though it's in another language, um, the songs are the same. And right. we're all praising God and um, singing and worshiping. Now, you've had quite a few people attending now, and, and actually there's been baptisms and involvement. Yes. Now, this is something, we're, we're out of time, unfortunately, but this is something that people can do pretty much anywhere. These people are everywhere in the United States, and, and so... Well, that's why we're up here, because we just, um, every city, large city in America has refugees, and your city does too. Um, the city, the large city that's nearest to you, and in these cities there's a refugee agency that you can contact and, um, and get involved and become a volunteer. And it's so rewarding, and we have been so humbled, and we feel so privileged that God has given this, this ministry to us, and it's enriched our lives dramatically. Our family has, has increased. Um, Awen's joined our family, and I mean, we could go on and on. But Adventist Southeast Asia has been, um, ASAP projects have been critical in this piece, as well as the local church, the Northeastern Conference, Pastor Cook um, is a pastor um, who reached out and his church warmly embraced um, the, these people and our group. And so it's, it's God is blessing every way. And I would encourage you and I hope that um, if you feel on your heart that you would like to be involved in a ministry that um, it, like ASI has a lot of ministries, but there's nothing like actually being involved and in doing it yourself. And it right. really is a mission on our doorstep. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, if you want to stop by their booth, they'll be there on Sabbath. Their booth number is 419. And the website is AS, asapministries.org. Now, moving on farther down south, way down south. Jose, how do you say your last name? Suazo. Suazo. All right. And now you have a mi ministry called Vida Internationale. That's right. Tell me what you do. Well, um, we have a wonderful ministry in Honduras. And I have to tell you, you might disagree with me, but I have to tell you that I believe that Honduras is the most beautiful country in the world. And we have this ministry over there. We, have, uh, we do a medical missionary training program. We, do, uh, we have a bilingual elementary school. We do lots of lifestyle work. And the Lord is richly blessing. Now, you have a special school there, an educational facility. Tell me about that. So we have a Bible school called the Instituto Biblico Centroamericano. And we have there, uh, we train basically people from all over uh, Central America. This year we have 13 students, some are from El Salvador, some are from Honduras, some are from Brazil, some are from the States. And we, we, we get them through this program in 10 months. They have an evangelism program. They will go out in the community. They knock on doors. They, they receive the health training, massage, hydrotherapy, and they do the leadership training so that they are able to have to put together all these tools and be able to be effective witnesses uh, for the Lord over there in the communities in Latin America. 
Now, there's, there's some special outreach programs that, that those students do right in the local villages. Tell me about that. Yes, actually this year we had a couple of our students who saw a wonderful need in the village where they were working, right? And they were receiving their, tra their training and they saw that there were in the community some people that had disabilities. And these mm -hmm. people with disabilities, they were, not, they were not reached by anybody. They wouldn't go to school. They would just basically stay in their houses. And two of the students, one of them had uh, training in special education. And she decided as part of her outreach program, as part of her evangelism training, that she would minister to these people. And she went out into the village and found these kids with disabilities. Some of them cannot speak. Some of them have a, t a hard time walking and doing some of the basic things in life. And she would take the time together with her classmates and, and minister to them. And the impact that this has had. Have ha has had in these, in these people who are forsaken by the community and also in the family members is just impressive. And to see that that was the initiative of students who are receiving this evangelistic training. Now you have a, for younger students, you have a bilingual school. Okay, so what are the age groups that are, that are in the bilingual school? Okay, we, have, we just started a bilingual school. You have to understand that in Latin America, the bilingual school system is, is exclusively for people who are wealthy. And we're working, for, we're working in a village, and this village, their education system is very poor. And so and in this village, 50 new kids are born every year. So we decided, okay, we're doing lots of evangelism. We're doing lots of outreach for the older people. But what can we do with this new generation that is coming up? And so we decided to establish a bilingual school that would be available to these people in this community who would never otherwise have a chance to receive this prime education. And we decided to start with a kindergarten. And this year we, all, we already have a first grade and we're already looking forward for second grade next year um, when this school year ends. And it has been a powerful impact in the community. The first year we had the amazing number of two students. Can somebody say amen to two <laughs> students? And this year our classes are almost completely packed full. And the impact that these two kids had in the community is really impressive. They, they go out there and, and the rest of the community saw what was taking place, saw that they were speaking English, saw the impact in the community, and they decided to, more people started deciding to come and send their kids. Actually, we had a parent meeting, uh, a parent meeting uh, in, in, in the campus, and one of the parents is being dragged by one of the kids. And I'm working in the garden right at the entrance. She opens the, they open the gate, and I, th I think to myself, what, what's going on? And the, the lady looks kind of distressed, and she's carrying a younger baby, and she's being dragged by, this, by one of our students into the campus. And it's a Sunday for, for these parent meetings. And she tells me, you know, I have a problem. And I thought to myself, oh, man, what happened? And she tells me, you know, my kid on Sunday, she got early in the morning, set her uniform up because she wants to go to school. And there's no classes on Sunday. And she was just pestering her mom because she's, mom, can we go now? Mom, can we go now? I want to go to school. So it has had a wonderful impact over there in the community. And the Lord is reaching not just these kids. That same scene that the kids are dragging their parents, that's happening also in church. These kids, some of the parents are, are actually coming to our church. Praise God. Now, Jose, you have a, a story uh, well, let me just back up. You do lifestyle training in the community there as well and other surrounding villages. And there's a special story you have about a wheelbarrow. Tell me that story. Yes. We actually, one day, we started this lifestyle uh, program. And one day, through the gates of our property, comes a, a lady called Doña Tomasa. And Doña Tomasa is being brought by her children on a wheelbarrow, right? She, she is a diabetic. She's really ill. And, and they came over for this lifestyle session because she really needed help. And our nurse started taking her, her, uh, taking her blood pressure and taking her sugar. And she looks at me and she tells me, Jose, this lady is a walking 
corpse, right? We have, she, she actually took insulin and her blood sugar is over the skies and something needs to happen. She, stands, she stays there for a 10-day program and through the simple natural remedies and the lifestyle change, change and the exercise, an amazing thing starts taking place. By the time she leaves, she calls her children and she says, I won't need the wheelbarrow anymore. I can walk all the way to the village by myself. And I go jogging during the morning, and guess who I find during the morning? Doña Tomasita is walking with her grandchildren, and I ask her, Doña Tomasita, what are you doing here? And she tells me, the same thing you are, taking care of my body, like you guys taught me. Praise God. Wow. So if someone wants to be involved in your ministry, you have a website, right, that they can get a hold of you? Yes. Our website is vida, V-I-D-A, dash, international, international, instead of a T with a C, dot O-R-G. Please come to Honduras. Please come to Honduras. Come to Honduras. Thank you very much, Jose. You're welcome. Good evening. Let's see who we have here. Uh, could you please uh, tell us who you are and where you're coming from? I am Sandra Barocio de Paz uh, from Guatemala. He's my husband, Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos de Paz. Manuel Alba from Chicago. Okay, very good. Okay, um, Dr. Alba, could you tell us what is how you share Christ in your marketplace? Well, um, I think we've been here in the past with my wife. Um, we have a practice, a gastroenterology practice in Chicago, and we see patients with many problems, many Latino patients with overweight, obesity, uh, fatty livers, colon cancer, uh, and we provide, provide them with uh, medical education. Uh, my family is there active in providing them with two or three hours sometimes of nutritional counseling and a better life. Um, they have the opportunity of receiving literature, steps to Christ in different shapes and different uh, titles and take those home, and they are invited. Sometimes if they manifest an interest in spiritual things, they're invited to attend our small church plant in Oak Park. Uh, we have a, a vegetarian potluck. We have a health class every Sabbath, besides studying the Sabbath school lesson and hearing a message. Uh, and we decided to do that about, about four years ago. The Lord just called us during one of these ASI meetings, we saw some of our colleagues here saying uh, we're going to do a church plant in our offices. So we thought maybe that's the Lord is calling us to do that. So uh, we started a, a small church plant uh, in the lobby of the hospital where we work. Uh, that lobby is a common property of many other practices. And uh, we were supposed to give health classes. Pretty soon those health classes ended up in... Bible studies, and we met every Sabbath. They gave us permission to use that on uh, on Saturday because there's, there was no there were no clinics open. Um, but pretty soon they started asking us, "Are you a church or are you a health class or what are you doing there?" We we have a, a closed circuit TV, and we see that you you know kneel down and you sing and you bring musicians sometimes, and they say you, you won't be able to do this anymore. Uh, order. Uh, um, uh, churches are going to come to ask for the use of this space. So we were forced to look for another place, and we, we got a car wash. Along and behold, this, this young man that you see here three and a half years ago, Juan Carlos. But, but wait a minute. So you have a car wash well, where you meet? I mean, 
explain that. We used to meet in a car wash. Okay. It lasted for six months, enough for God to bring this young man there. Okay. And then God moves us. Now we're uh, on, a, on another church. We have a rented space in another church that we meet every, every Sabbath. Okay. So you get your patients and you um, invite them to have classes so you, how they can learn a new lifestyle. And, but you meet with them and you share with them about the Bible, about Christ. Yes, yeah. And uh, as, I, as I was mentioning, three and a half years ago, Juan Carlos was in Guatemala. Okay. And uh, he had lost his vision about 10 years before that in, a, in an auto accident. He used to drink, and one of those days that he was drinking, he had this accident. He was expelled through the windshield, and pieces of the crystal were embedded in his eyes. Since he was drunk, he just robbed them and lost his vision that way. Uh, he was in a rehabilitation hospital. They tried to save one of his eyes, and he can see a little pinhole out of the left eye, uh, enough to probably see light, it's night or day. But uh, about 10 years after this accident, he was trying to make a living in Guatemala. He used to drive with that little vision. Wow. And uh, he was amazing? guided by the little white lights on one side and the red lights in front that he will break if you see the red lights coming on. And on two occasions, uh, rain came suddenly, and he was out in the country driving, and he just couldn't see. And he's, he told me that he felt the hand taking control of the wheel. And he started thinking, there's somebody that has control over these things. He started thinking about a God that was doing that. And on a second occasion that that happened, Juan Carlos told me, he just said, okay, Lord, if you want to drive, take the wheel. And he arrived, after a few minutes of driving, he arrived safely home. Man, so someone, that's something. Someone tells Juan Carlos in Guatemala, you probably should travel to the States. Okay, but uh, how you met him and uh, what, what you did when you met him? Well, actually, the, the Lord knew this, and he brought Juan Carlos to the car wash. Oh. He, Juan Carlos came to Chicago hoping for an ophthalmological treatment that wasn't okay. available for him anyway. They told him the injury is too old. So... He had a dream in which he is looking for a job, and he saw a car wash on the dream. So he thought the next morning I probably should go and, and get a, a job, you know, look in different stores, see if they need help with that little vision. Wow. And he saw the car wash that he dreamt. Okay. And he was, you know, dubious about going or not. And finally he went in. And that's where he met you guys, and you started uh, studying the Bible with him. He and was then, offered Bible studies. Okay. Uh, my mother-in-law gave him Bible studies. He, he couldn't have just one Bible study or two or three. He wanted oh. to finish okay. uh, La Fe de Jesus, all this booklet, just, you know, in one night if, if it was possible. <laughs> but at the end of these studies, that was only a couple of weeks or three weeks, he wanted to be baptized. Oh, praise the Lord. So he got baptized. He was baptized, and I think there were some slides. There I don't know some if they pictures. Are. Okay, they are right there. They put an inflatable pool at the car wash, and Juan Carlos was the first fruit of that church. That's the pastor baptizing him there. But that wasn't enough for Juan Carlos. Uh, he went back to Guatemala. He gave the message to his family. They were baptized, and uh, he went to your school after that because <laughs> after Mexico. he was baptized, the Lord gave him... Uh, sustenance for the rest of his life. A cellular telephone company decided to rent the roof of his house in Guatemala and they paid him a lease. So he said, now I'm free. I, I, I can serve God. Amen. He wanted to go to a school to be prepared. So your school okay. in Galeana, Nuevo León in Mexico. 
yes. was the one that took this young man. Well, you asked me if we can take a blind person as a student. We say yes. And he came, and boy, he did outstanding. He did very well. And we just praise the Lord for how he was so enthusiastic about getting this training. And he is in fire for the Lord. And now that he got his training, what happened? Well, a few days later, this young lady sees this brochure about a school in Galeana. She is visiting with her family in another town in Mexico. And what do you think, Sandra? What do you think about this? Uh, this is the place where I want to be. Uh, I want to go here. Uh. <laughs> She's just learning English. <laughs> and she went there, the program was so late, bo right? Both of them met at CMS in our school in Mexico. And boy, they fall in love, and, and they got married, you know, and that happened quite often in our school. You know, we, we have people there, we have seen so many marriages coming out of there, that is amazing. But this is a real blessing. And so what is the plans for the future with Juan? Well, they were married four years ago. Your plans are, ¿cuáles son tus planes? Me gusta... Servir al Señor, tengo tres años ya de no ser ciego eh, espiritual. I am about three years with having spiritual vision now. I'm not blind anymore. Uh, me gustaría, eh, bueno, sé que Dios tiene grandes planes para, para nosotros. Estamos ayudando a, a personas discapacitadas a que conozcan eh, la verdad en Jesús. God has great plans for us. We have a group of disabled people. He met some disabled people when he was in rehabilitation back some years ago. They are still his friends, and they are in the process of helping them with uh, enterprises. Amen. Making so, bread. So with his limitation, he is starting his own ministry in Guatemala to help people like, like him and with other limitations. And if somebody with his limitations are willing and is doing this. How about, what, what can you tell, Dr. Alba, to the other people that would like to embrace in the, God's work? What would you tell them in closing? Well, he has been so efficient, he puts us to shame. He goes back to our little church plant, and he has memorized portions of, the, of Scripture. He's memorized portions of the spirit of prophecy. He can give a health talk, and he will say, like the minister of healing says in page 123, blah, blah. It's amazing. It puts us to shame. It tells us that we need to get up and get, get moving on what the Lord wants us to do. We need to get about our Father's business. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. If you want to know more information, they will be uh, available to you. If you see them around, greet them. They have these brochures about their organization in Guatemala. Also, these brochures are going to be in the OCI booth. If you would like to get more information about this ministry, please stop by the OCI booth and get more information. Thank you. Good evening, ASI family. Are you sleeping out there? Good evening. Good to be here with you this evening. I have Mark Coleman here from Adventist Frontier Missions. We know Adventist Frontier Missions as AFM. And you told me you are the regional director from Africa for AFM. And when you told me that, I was like, regional director from Africa? It's like more like the continental director, right? <laughs> So tell us a little bit about AFM. Well, as you know, Adventist Frontier Missions uh, goes to reach the unreached. That is, people who haven't yet heard the gospel, where the church is still very small or non-existent, 
we send missionaries, and not just missionaries from North America, by the way, but missionaries from around the world go to, uh, to plant the church. Um, and yes, it's true that I am the Africa uh, field director, but right now AFM is in a, in a, a time of growth. We just opened a, an affiliate office in South Africa, and there are other parts, uh, other offices opening in other parts of the world. So there will probably be more of me very soon. You know, in my travels, I've had an opportunity to bump into AFM missionaries. So I've had a firsthand opportunity from the outside looking in, seeing some of the projects, and terrific work. My hat's off to people who go overseas and work. You were telling me, were you raised Adventist? I, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. You were raised a Seventh-day Adventist, and you became a missionary. That's right. How did that happen? Well, right just after my conversion in high school, I was looking at, uh, it was in the mid-80s, and I was uh, watching had, television. You, you had a conversion experience in high school. I did. I wished I could have him explain <laughs> that one to me. Okay. <laughs> and I was watching uh, television and saw uh, the large uh, uh, displaced, uh, large groups of displaced persons in East Africa, especially Ethiopia, and it was like the Lord was speaking to me, and I said, you know what? That's what I want to do, and that's where I want to be. Are you serious? And years later, I was a Bible worker after finishing college in Seattle, and as I went door-to-door -door working with people, uh, I ran across a lot of uh, refugees from Southeast Asia. And I prayed, Lord, help me to do something. I see that there's a lot of people that are coming here. They're not receiving any help. And be careful what you pray for. <laughs> I ended up as a missionary in Southeast Asia working with refugees. Well, and that serious. was, that was in the Africa. beginning. Yeah, yeah in fact, um, you spent, you went over there in 1999, right? Yes. And uh, my hat's off to some of these people. You know, it's one thing to go on a mission trip for like six weeks or two weeks or something like that. But when you go for one year or two years, and the case with you, 10 years, right? right. Mm -hmm. And he was working with the Susu people mm -hmm. in Guinea, Africa. Mm -hmm. I mean, that must tell us something about that. It must have been, it must well, have been. <laughs> well, my wife and I, we, when, we, when we got married, we, we went five years to Southeast Asia. We came back and pastored in the States for about five years, and then 10 years in uh, Africa. And we worked in the country of Guinea, French Guinea, and uh, there where there were probably five or 600 members in the church and worked with the Susu, it, among the Susu-speaking people uh, to plant a church and a, and a large school there as well. And this is a predominantly Muslim area, right? This is a, yeah, the predominant religion, 95% Muslim and, and uh, animist and Christian mm -hmm. make up the rest. Do you have some really big challenges doing that in the 10 years you were there? Yeah, there were a lot of big challenges, a lot of uh, uh, scary experiences, but uh, most of that had to do with political unrest in the country and, and uh, danger uh, from, from that respect, military uprisings, but God kept us through it all and glad to say that uh, he helped to accomplish uh, what he sent us there for. I think he's being very modest about some of the things that they've, he's gone through while he was over there. Um, you said one time you were evacuated because of a, you're surrounded by countries that are all totally unstable in that area. So, I mean, it was affecting the country. Well, over 10, 12 years, uh, because the project continues uh, under people that we trained, uh, we've had four or five evacuations, for, mm -hmm. usually for political reasons. And just the last evacuation, our missionaries got out just a little bit late and were set upon by an angry mob and mm -hmm. almost burned to death in their car, but praise God, they made and it out. you said while you were there, you helped raise up a school. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the school. Well, the school was for young people. We have, you know, as missionaries, when we raise up a work, we're just creating sometimes more needs. There are young people that come into the church, and Sabbath was a big problem for them, as it is in many places in the world. So we started a school to help the young people, many of whom were coming to church and skipping school on Sabbath, even years before their baptism. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so we started a school for that reason. And, and we started with 12 students. It now has, I believe, over 300 students. Wow, praise God. You said something about there was one student in particular that you had an experience with, Marguerite? Marguerite, yeah, just she's typical. She was a young lady that, she's typical of many young people who convert to the church. She was coming uh, to the school. She started when she was just in sixth or seventh grade. She ended up graduating. But she, because of her faithfulness to the Sabbath for three years before she was baptized, actually could not, um, dropped out of the, the national school system. And she couldn't go on to college because she would not take the national exam on Sabbath. And we struggled with what to do for her. She almost, in her senior year, almost gave up because she said there's no hope. But God gave us an idea to create a test. We presented it to the government a test modeled after uh, the ACT, SAT here, only in the French language based on the curricula of that country. And when the government official saw it, he said, why don't you make this available to the whole country? Mm-hmm. She has now uh, finished university. She's, I just had the privilege of marrying her to her high Praise school God. sweetheart yeah. about a month ago. <laughs> And she's a teacher in the school where she was trained. Wow. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It sure is. So if people want to get involved with AFM, you have a booth here? Yes. Booth number 439. Please, we need missionaries. And www.afmonline.org is our website. Are you looking for missionaries right now? We need them. We have more calls than missionaries. Praise God, Mark. Thank Thank you you so much. God bless. Our our next couple of victims coming up front here. Um, this is Kent and Joel, and they're from International Children's Care. Have you heard of that before, ICC? Now, I'm going to just really give a, a quick blurb because ICC has been an organization that I've had a, a real partiality to for, for years. I've known the founder of the organization, um, a great organization. And, of course, when people think of ICC, they think of orphanages, Right. But when you, I was talking to you, I started saying the word orphanages. You said, no, you used a different term. What's going on with that? And how many children's projects do you have going on right now? Well, when they come to ICC, which we call ourselves ICC, International Mm -hmm. Children's Care, uh, we don't think of them as orphans anymore because they have homes and families with ICC. And right now we're in uh, 16 different countries around the world. 16 different countries? Well, I use the term orphanages. I said, how many orphanages? You said you had children's projects. Can you explain a little bit about that? I mean, sure. What's the difference between a children's project and an orphanage? Okay, well, children's projects are all the uh, worldwide projects that we have that would involve orphan children. Uh-huh. But uh, our model, the ICC model, is all about children's villages. And so uh, we have some slides here that I'd like to, uh, to share with you. Well, they're playing those. Explain a little bit about that. What do you mean exactly? Well, a child like this is uh, perhaps homeless. He's lost his parents. Uh, no one to take care of him. And so Alcyon Fleck in the next slide, uh, who is our founder, uh, over 35 Great lady, too. I know her and her, her son. They're really wonderful people. <laughs> 35 years ago, she came up with a model of care for children that involved... Uh, taking children off the streets or that were given to us by government uh, uh, organizations or institutions. And uh, Alcyon believed that the best place for a child was in a home Mm -hmm. rather than a dormitory-style institution. And so she created a model which was uh, uh, a children's home village where we have uh, several homes and 10 to 12 children per home and about 10 to 12 uh, children's homes on a campus. Mm -hmm. 
and that becomes the place where they uh, live their lives mm -hmm. and uh, are able to become productive well, citizens. God. Now, um, you were telling me that how did how did you've been with ICC for what 15, 15 years? You years. said how long have you been with ICC? For six years. Six years. Now, how did how in the world did you get involved with ICC really quickly? I was a sponsor first. You were a donor, actually donating to ICC. I was. Okay, yes. that's interesting. And, um, I contacted ICC and I offered them to to serve as a volunteer if they needed anything. I thought You're around like, the, what were you thinking? Around like two the weeks or something? Yes. <laughs> One day they, they called me and they had a proposition for an administrator in the project of El Salvador. I offered them one year. I stayed for four. Espanol? Si. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, you, were, you, you were also saying that, um, uh, that when we were talking about orphanages, you said, well, really, this is about evangelism. Can you explain that yeah, whole philosophy? You know, this is evangelism at its roots. A story, that would be the best, okay. the best thing yeah. to do. Because, yeah, uh, you know, it, when people think orphanages, they don't think evangelism, they think taking right, care of children, right, right. you know, story, uh, children's books, you know, clothing. We, we talk about the power of the blood. I'll tell you a story about that. The power Please, of the blood. There was a Hugo. Hugo came to our children's village with a purpose in mind, and that was to grow up very fast so he could go kill the man who had killed his father. And he had the hate in his heart. He grew up with that hate, but people loved him there. One day, we had a week of prayer at the children's village in the Dominican Republic. Excuse me Hugo. for a second. Now, this boy, his father was murdered or something? He was murdered. What happened to his mother? But I mean, His mother had to be um, put in a mental institution because oh, she couldn't. Man. So this boy was on his she, own. She lost, she lost it all after, after the, the murder of, of uh, her husband. And so Hugo and, and the siblings, they were just bouncing around from institution and to, kid's, to institution. And this kid's eight years old? He was about four when his father died. He was about eight when he came to us. And he had, and like he had this, heart, this hate in his oh, heart that he man. was going to kill the man who killed his father. Whoa. And he grew up that way. The, we have the week of prayer, and Hugo gives his heart to the Lord. Then he goes on, he grows up, he goes on to uh, attend college at the uh, Adventist University in the Dominican Republic, finds a young lady from New York City, marries her, moves to New York. He's in New York, has three children, and that thought of that man who had killed his father was still there. And one day he purchases a ticket, and he flies to the Dominican Republic to find the man. And through acquaintances, he finds the man. And he's going to kill him? He knocks at the door. The man comes out, and Hugo is 300 pounds, big guy. He introduces himself to the man. He says, I am Hugo. You don't remember me. You killed my father when I was four. Whoa. He tells him the story how he's suffering, was bouncing around from place to place. And he said, I had a plan of how I was going to kill you. And the man shakes. He said, don't worry. I did not come to kill you. In that place, Jesus came to me, and with his blood, he cleansed me and took away all the hate I had in my heart. And today, I am coming to tell you that I am forgiving you. But not only that, I want to tell you that you need to go to this Jesus Amen. who cleansed me so that he may forgive you too and give you eternal life. Wow. We, wow. Get, we praise the Lord. 
for kids like Hugo and for that, the opportunity the that we gospel. have. That's the power. Right. Where is Hugo ministry. today? He is in New York City. He is. Uh, he works for the the school district, one of the school district there in New York, and he lives there with his wife. He is Pathfinder director at the. Uh, Prospect Church in the Bronx. So that's evangelism. And it's that's evangelism. That's right. Really quickly, how can people get involved with ICC? It's our time's up. Well, you have a we, booth here. we do have a booth. It's uh, the 1,000 aisle, and we uh, depend 10, on... 1019. We depend on child <laughs> sponsors to, uh, to get involved in the lives of children like Hugo and uh, come by our booth or call our office, uh, and uh, we have children that need sponsors. Okay. And we have pictures of children who need sponsors right at our booth. Come. Okay. Come see God. us. Thank, Thank you. you, too.
When this poor lisping, stammering tongue he is ransomed from the closing prayer. Lord, we've been inspired. We see you as our Lord of miracles, and you are so faithful. Thank you for this time together, and bless us now as we go to the next features in Jesus' name. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.